everybody always associates it with older people. They make all these adverts about have a, a roast dinner and invite an old person, but it's not just old people that are lonely. Although we're living longer, older people aren't the ones getting more lonely. It's actually young people who say they're feeling socially isolated more often and more intensely. Young or old, loneliness does not discriminate, the MP Jo Cox said when setting up her loneliness commission. And she wasn't wrong. 40% of 16 to 24-year-olds admitted to feeling lonely often or very often in research commissioned by Radio 4 last year. Donald McGaskill is CEO of Scottish Care, a representative body for care homes in Scotland. He says that more people than ever are living alone. We probably need to do more work on how do we support people to live on their own? Because it's not easy if you have been brought up and used to living in community or family. Living on your own requires a different set of skills, a different psychological language and a different uh, maturity. And we shouldn't automatically think that social beings, which humans essentially are, have that capacity. That's nine-year-old Kyle. I'm in Paisley to meet his mum, Tricia, who invited me to her house when she heard about this documentary. She volunteers as a befriender for the charity Age UK, who put us in touch. Because I've had Kyle late in years, a lot of my friends, well, I've got a daughter of 25, so their children are that age, so they've got the freedom without being tied with a young one, and that's where the problems all started. So I've kind of lost touch with everybody. And I've only got my dad left. And he's nearly 18, he stays near. And then my daughter's up in Glasgow and I very rarely see her. So it's, you know what I mean, it is. And it's up here I feel really quite isolated. And the worst thing is the Facebook. But I feel sometimes it's only company I have. So it's, it's silly because I shouldn't be looking at it because it gets me down. But sometimes it's the only outside contact to the world I've got. Many believe that technology is at the heart of the problem, but with social robots designed for different kinds of loneliness, it's time to find out whether technology, the poison, could also be the antidote. Tell me your number between 1 and 10. 7. Good job, you cracked it. Could these robots be the answer? Between them, they cater to people made lonely by long-term illnesses, social difficulties and the simple human need for companionship. Michaela then, can you tell me who is Curly's dad? The boss. Brilliant, well done, perfect. That might have sounded like a child answering their teacher, but that voice came from a small white robot controlled by Michaela Nunn, a 15-year-old girl on her iPad at home. Here's her mother, Michelle. Michaela was um, the normal, healthy, happy child. She was out doing swimming, baton twirling, ballet, tap, horse riding. Um, quite a busy, active social life, really. And all of a sudden, she just went out for the day, came home. We sort of thought she had sunstroke because she was cold, headache, feeling sick. And she just was getting worse. You know, she'd manage Monday and Tuesday at school. Um, Wednesday morning I get a phone call saying you've got to come and get her so she'd be off again for the rest of the week then Monday and Tuesday again you know back in Wednesday getting this phone call so I just went down the doctors and said you know something something is seriously wrong can we get some bloods done had a feeling it might have been glandular fever but that came back as clear 
And then it wasn't until a friend sort of said, actually, do you know what? I think she's got Emmy. She's got this Emmy look about her. Their eyes are just not not right and they're just not with it, very vacant. And so did all the blood tests. So, yeah, we kind of then got the diagnosis for the Emmy um, and that'll be nearly eight years ago now. Unfortunately, she had to then kind of cut all her hobbies and sports and interests out and she could only do so many hours at school. It was very restrictive what she could and couldn't do. She lost all of her friends. She was too unwell to go and play or have anyone come round. And so she just became socially isolated. because Michaela's actually raised um, quite a lot of money for the charity Invest in ME over the past couple of years. I think she's raised about £8,000 or something. She's done sponsored horse ride, which only just like rounds a little tiny village, um, a sponsored jump on the horse. Uh, her little dog's done a sponsored swim. Um, we've made like little Facebook posters with people's name on with a little bear saying supports research into ME and we've sold those for a donation and all the money she's raised has gone into the charity Invest in ME. Those were the guys that kind of had these three robots on trial and I happened to see it on Facebook and it said if you're interested give us a call. So I phoned up Kathleen and said you know be really interested in it for Michaela um, and it, it just went from there. Next day I got a phone call to go school are happy We'd love Michaela to have a trial with the robot. Although Michaela is able to attend roughly half her lessons in person, her ME causes her severe fatigue and exhaustion. There's still no cure, so her AV1 robot has been a lifeline for being able to complete her GCSEs next year. Her teacher, Kirsty Aaron, says Robbie the robot has been a great addition to the classroom. Academically, the first assessment she did for me this year, she was guessing about 60%. The last assessment she did, so this is after having Robbie for, what, three, three, four months, she was upwards of 90%. So academically, it, it proves, doesn't it, it's worth. But also, like I said, in herself, she sort of bounces into the classroom now. She, she wants to talk to the other students. And she, she'll even chance her on with answers that she doesn't know if they're completely correct. She'll still give it a go. She's not as self-conscious and she's just a happier young lady. So everyone was created to um, help children and young adults with long-term illnesses uh, stay connected with their school and friends um, when they can't be there themselves to try and reduce um, the feeling of loneliness or um, social isolation uh, whilst they're off out of their normal social arena. That was George Howe, who's from No Isolation, the company who made Michaela's robot. He explains how it works. The AV1 avatar um, would be placed in the classroom or taken out and about with, you know, to the park or anything. And the user, either at home or in hospital, connects to it via an app and they can kind of control the robot by swiping and um, it has a microphone, speaker and camera so it can, we like to say, it act as the eyes, ears and voice of the child when they can't be there themselves. Someone who couldn't be there himself was 14-year-old Jack McLinden, an Everton football fan with multiple health conditions. Thanks to AV1 though, he made history in April last year by becoming the first ever virtual mascot in a Premier League game. George says the start-up was inspired by similar stories of lonely children. 
One of our co-founders, Karen, she uh, met with a mother of twin girls, one of which sadly passed away after a three-year battle with cancer. And the mother was saying that, um, you know, it wasn't like the chemotherapy or the invasive treatment that she found most difficult. It was, you know, the fact that she was a 13-year-old girl who was completely cut off from her friends and school. And that loneliness, feeling of loneliness was the thing that was most difficult to, to deal with. So upon hearing about this, it was something that she kind of couldn't ignore. So her and two friends um, packed in their jobs and said, let's do something about it. In fact, it's like an avatar representation of their friend that sometimes is named kind of Zobot or something along those lines. It's, it gives them that more engaging um, representation of, of their friend than, say, like a tablet or a laptop screen would if you're on a video stream. So it causes a bit of a stir, I guess, and they want to engage more with it because it's a new and exciting piece of technology. Robot is actually staying at school. He's in um, the student services office in the cupboard, and the teachers or even some of the students will actually take him to and from the lessons. And it's kind of still offers an inclusive environment, you know, for everyone as well. It's not just a case of oh, there's a robot, you can't go near it. It allows the younger students to sort of be part of it and take it to the lessons for Michaela. And it's it's hopefully changed their attitude as well. Because when I've spoken to some of them, they've said, oh, I've taken that to the lesson. And they've asked about it. And then they've asked about Michaela's condition. And, and they've then realised that actually not everyone can make it into school. And how can people... What can we do to help people like Michaela and other children with other illnesses? So it's it's uh, it's been really big. It's massive. It's opened up quite a lot of possibilities for others, and you know, changing attitudes, not just with the students but with staff as well. Although children using AV1 are made lonely because they aren't able to socialise with their peer group physically, there are those who struggle to connect socially. Autism is a lifelong developmental disability that affects how someone communicates and relates to others. There are 700,000 people who are on the autistic spectrum in the UK, which is more than one in a hundred. Dr Ben Robbins works at the University of Hertfordshire in autism-specific robot research. This is very generalised and I don't like to generalise because I found that children are so, or people with autism are so unique, so different from one another and also so unique. But... In general terms, from the researcher, we know that the main characteristic that that characterizes people with autism, although it's a wide spectrum of uh, its uh, social interaction, social communication, and a lot of the children that they have difficulty in this, they they just, everything is so confusing that they just isolate themselves. Good try, but not quite right. Let's try again. 
The university is working on a humanoid robot that acts as a social companion to connect autistic children with their surroundings. Casper, as the robot is known, is the size of a small child but shows no facial expressions. His plastic face has been compared unfavourably to Chucky Ray from the TV series Child's Play. None of that matters though because 170 autistic children have benefited from learning to overcome their social isolation by interacting with a familiar, simplistic face. The robot can speak, the robot can move, the robot can have a facial expression, basic facial expression, and all together, all the gestures and that he make. Uh, so we use the possibility of movements, possibility of response, responsiveness to, we have sensors on the robot for tactile interaction. All together we're doing these imitation games, uh, turn-taking games, um, exploring cause and effect. If you touch hard, the robot can say, ouch, it's hurting me. If you touch gentle, the robot can encourage certain tactile behavior and discourage other tactile behavior. This is nice. It tickles me. Ben says that Casper encourages children to practice their language skills because he speaks to them and they like to imitate him. In theory, once a child starts repeating the robot's words, they'll build up enough confidence to communicate with their family and other children. And uh, I had uh, one case study, a child that I thought had no language at all. All the sessions were just by pointing the fingers, and even the teacher just talked to him in non-verbal communication. And then he started to whisper. In the end of the sessions that we had, the very last session, he started to whisper, so he had language, and, but he never used it. He just... The robot encouraged him to use the skills that he already had. The robot can also be used as a mediator for interacting with other children and has been used to develop emotional recognition. That's the process of identifying human emotion, which is often difficult for someone with autism. Uh, so we developed a game about happy and sad, for example, understanding happy and sad, and then we had uh, evidence from interviews parents that the child started to use it outside the context uh, at home, he started to use the happy and sad understandings to ask the mom, mother how she's feeling, or mother, mother is happy, or the child is sad, or child happy. And she said it was for the first time she had this kind of com- communication uh, with the child. Children with autism have difficult transfer skills from one context to another. And this is called generalization. So for us, it's very important to see anything that happened during child-robot interaction, what's happening afterwards? Does it transfer into a behavior and skills in day-to-day, in the school, for example, or at home? Being such a difference, like Jack now knows when he's feeling sad or happy, it's made life like a lot easier because he'll tell us how he feels and he's less likely to like throw a tantrum because he now feels more understood. And like his language skills have really improved too and he just loves chatting away to his little sister. The main issue with humanoid robots like Casper is people's perception of them. For lonely people to use robots therapeutically or as social companions, they need to feel comfortable in their presence. Using a robot that looks slightly human, but not convincingly so, makes them fall into the uncanny valley. Dr Stephanie Lay did her PhD on the uncanny valley at the Open University. She describes the phenomenon. It's a dip in human response when things that... Um, we think are artificial are made to look more like human. So if you think of if you're making an industrial robot, you start off with something that is extremely mechanical 
and um, has very very few human qualities. But then if you try to humanise that more, add features or behaviours or movements that give you a cue that this is actually uh, an entity with agency, with purpose and with a mind behind it, then it's that point where people tend to find them repulsive and they reject them. It's, it's where it becomes too close for comfort. It's almost but not quite human. So what's the future for social robots? I think there's two possibilities. We either go all out and make sure that they look human, so it's not close to human, that they do look completely viably, reliably human um, entities, or you go into the um, almost caricature angle, so all of the features are exaggerated. If you think of Japanese anime-type characters, it's that sort of... um, overemphasized, obviously not something that's going to be threatening to you, it could actually be quite cute. So I think, um, yeah, you kind of need to go either end. Anything in between is where you get that valley effect. Myro is a Japanese-inspired zoomorphic robot, a robot based on replicating a pet rather than a human. That way, the uncanny valley is completely avoided because people don't find fake animals creepy, just fake humans. He looks like a cartoon character and he's a hybrid of different animals. He's got rabbit ears, the nose and tail of a dog and looks part donkey. Izzy Barnes works for Consequential Robots, who made Myro. So our end goal is um, assisted living, Uh, kind of elderly care, special needs assistance, um, working with hospitals, working with care homes, working in schools, just the whole range of assisted living. Although the percentage of older people experiencing loneliness has remained constant since 2007, according to Age UK, the size of the older population is growing as people are living longer. As people age, their social circle typically gets smaller, their friends and partners might predecease them, and they often become less mobile, both factors contributing to loneliness in old age. Donald McGaskill is head of Scottish Care, a representative body for care homes in Scotland. Loneliness is a problem and it is a challenge. We are talking a lot more about loneliness today as a society, which is probably reflective of the fact that demographically there are more and more people living on their own. So the somewhat bucolic image of families living in close geographical proximity, supporting each other and in and out of each other's lives, is not true for many people today. We do live dislocated lives. Children, and as they grow into adulthood, tend to move away from their homes. Communities change quite frequently. And so it can become very easy for individuals to become lonely. So what we are being told by those who are cared for and supported is that quite often the care worker who comes in for their three or four 15-minute visits a day will be the only human being that that person meets. Despite companies creating companion robots for elderly people, Donald is sceptical of technological solutions. So one of the things that at the moment we are concerned about is that quite often technology and particular smart technology, is being suggested as a means by which people can reduce loneliness and can address that sense of isolation. Now, undeniably, smart technology has a place 
and has a contribution to make. But individuals do not ultimately want the presence of a machine. They want the presence of somebody who can respond, react, somebody who is physical, somebody who can engage in touch, in recognising body language and changes in mood. And it might sound a cheap and an easy solution for us to address the challenge of loneliness by robotic and smart technology. If society gets to the stage at which it uses a machine to replace human presence, then that society has gone extremely wrong. Mark Bullard's mother, Janet, is using a Paraseal, another companion robot designed for elderly people living with dementia. He says his family's busy lifestyle meant they didn't have the resources to look after her at home. Mum's had dementia now for about, suppose about three years, and it's been getting gradually worse. So she gets confused, she gets memory loss, and she has problems with language and sort of orientation and things like that we couldn't cope with her anymore so we had to um, look for a home find a home put her in a home which we kind of did with her agreement and everything but that that was quite difficult some of the other care home residents have used pet therapy to relax them but mark says his mother dislikes dogs having been bitten as a child instead the home have been using a paraseal to reduce the social isolation and loneliness caused by her illness she uses it, I mean, in, in two ways. Um, I mean, I mentioned earlier that, you know, on bad days she gets really agitated. And on those days, not every time, but quite a few times, the Paraseals managed to calm her down by relaxing her. And I think that's similar to what the other residents get from that pet therapy. Because she can kind of interact with the Paraseal and... You know, because it's cute and it's nice and you can touch it and it responds, she she just calms down and she's more herself. So that's a massive benefit. I don't know how many times that's happened, but they've used that a couple of times to just get her back on track so she's got better quality of life and a better day. Paro, wake up. And then I think they they use it in therapy sessions. It's got big eyes and they sort of open and close. It reacts really well to you. I mean, there's supposed to be that thing, isn't there, where if you stroke a cat or something like that, you're calmer and you're better. She gets a lot from that, I think, just because it's it's tactile and it's nice. And it kind of gives back loads of things. It's got the sensors over its body. And so, you know, when she's petting it or touching it, it kind of reacts and moves about and it's tactile and nice. Loneliness can be as harmful as smoking 15 cigarettes a day and people with high degrees of loneliness are twice as likely to develop Alzheimer's as people with a low degree. Those statistics from Age UK show that loneliness is not only a psychological health problem but also can be a physical one. 
Loneliness can affect anyone, but it's most likely to affect the socially isolated, those who have physical disability or long-term health conditions, those who struggle with social skills, and people who are elderly and don't have a support network nearby. Donald McGaskill says we need to tackle loneliness in a multifaceted way. I think we have to have a blend of, of approaches. Uh, what people who use social care services talk about most of all is they value contact, they value a sense of being included, of being valued uh, as an individual who has a contribution to make. And often uh, what we uh, design is services and support to maintain people. But human beings don't want to just be maintained. They want to continue to contribute, continue to have a say and have uh, to feel part of something. George Howe from the makers of AV1 says the robots have already had huge success in the classroom, helping ill and socially isolated children achieve the impossible, a normal school and social life. The response has been really positive. We've had a mother say that after just one week of using AV1, their child was able to attend more classes than they could in a whole year. Um, and we've had head teacher say that um, a student is able to complete six GCSEs having not kind of been in school regularly at all for a couple of years. So. Michaela Nunn's mum is also feeling positive about the benefits Robbie the Robot has brought her daughter. I've spoken to her about it and she sort of said that she's not feeling behind now. She's not always backtracking from the others so she's more confident in what she's doing this the school have said her grades have gone up and because she's more confident she's also then been able to be more relaxed around her peers and that was that was a massive thing because she did lose her confidence from long-term illness acting as a physical barrier, conditions like autism force children into social isolation. Dr Ben Robbins, who works with Casper, the robot created to help autistic children, says it's unlocked doors for many, allowing them to feel less lonely. And this, We have seen again and again how the robot can encourage, because the robot speaks and, because, and children like to imitate the speech of the robot, so it's encouraged them to use language, whether they have the language or not, and some of them, I've seen it even um, impaired language, but it's encouraged them to use the language towards the robot and then also towards each other. For older people whose families have moved away or whose friends have died before them, loneliness is just part of getting older. But with an ageing population, there will be more than 2 million lonely people over 50 living in the UK by 2025. Mark Bullard's mother Janet is using a companion robot designed for elderly people living with dementia. He says she loves using it, but it's also become a topic of conversation for her, making her less lonely. The other big benefit she gets from it as well is, to be honest, you know, sometimes it's it's quite difficult to talk to her because nothing's happening in her world. And nowadays she'll talk about it quite a lot and she remembers it and she interacts with it. And because it's new in a lot, you know, it gives her something to talk about and she really does enjoy talking about it. It can be hard to get the right number. Do you want to play again? <laughs> Donald McGaskill doesn't think they're a good idea, but recognises the ageing population is growing fast. 
we have a population which is gloriously living longer and we will continue to live longer. So a girl born today in Scotland will on average live and have a life expectancy of 103 years old. Now, that will be a life which, if it's going to be more than an existence, requires us us to reframe how we are present to and with older people. Although technology has its critics and robots may not be the perfect solution, they are already defining lonely people's lives. They're allowing children to socialise and go to school. They're interacting with autistic children and connecting them to the world around them. They're also being made into pets for older people, which react to touch and respond when petted. Trisha from Paisley is only 49, but would possibly benefit from a companion robot, having already used her son's teddy bear as a substitute. Because I make jokes, because my son's got a big, big teddy, and I joke that I'd sit that there to pretend it's a person. But sometimes, because he's, he's maybe had it sitting here, and if even somebody else sitting in that seat does make you kind of feel better. <laughs> 